Hi, and welcome back to OA on Air, the official podcast of O'Neill & Associates. I'm Kyan Isaacson. This week, we have 3, 2, 1, Go with Cosmo Macero, an interview with Michael Murphy from the Zen Den in Norwell and author Max Lugavir, who will be speaking at the Zen Den next week on the effects of food on brain health. And in two minutes with Tom, Tom talks about the most recent impeachment news. Let's talk about something important. Hello and welcome to 321 Go on OA On Air, our weekly look into the world of public affairs, culture, business, and the economy. I'm your host, Cosmo Macero. In this installment of 321 Go, what if all the news that was fit to print one day included the news that your company had been sold? Well, it really happened to journalists and other employees of New York Magazine recently when they learned they'd been sold to Vox Media by reading it in the New York Times. We'll discuss this, ex- this example of when bad things result from bad internal communications. And a technical school that has made a strong comeback from the brink of closure gets a new home in Roxbury's Dudley Square. It's the Benjamin Franklin Institute, and they're on the move to bigger space. Finally, paid family and medical leave is just around the corner in Massachusetts and elsewhere. We'll give you all you need to know about this long-awaited employee benefit and what it will cost you. Joining me here on a 321 Go is Kyan Isaacson. Hello. What's going on? It's, you know, <laughs> just just hanging out. It's a chilly, drizzly October day in New England. But uh, as typical New England weather, it started hot and muggy. It was hot and muggy. It was like a <laughs> June summer morning, and now it's. It's, it's it was gross, is raw. what it was. <laughs> yes. All right. Also, um, however, it is our producer Ashley's birthday. It is. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday to Ashley, the producer. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> All righty. All right, let's get to it. All right, Kaya, New York Magazine, been around 51 years. Um, and uh, as happens with media companies, they were sold to Vox Media mm-hmm. um, f- by uh, their former uh, ownership, New York Media. Um, and the employees sort, sort of didn't get the memo because they learned about it in the New York Times. So lousy. Uh, which is pretty lousy. Uh, yeah. and, and, and we... We see media properties change hands, and um, company apparently lost $15 million last year. Um, there's concern about certainly are there going to be layoffs, what's going to happen, what's the transition plan, what's the long-term plan. And, and, and those are all sort of important and, and, and meaningful topics. Um, I think we were attracted to this news, though, because of the way it was shared with employees. And, and, and one thing we talk about with, uh, with companies that we advise is – the most important step in your communications plan for a major event, like an acquisition or a sale, um, it, it is, is internal communication. Is, mm-hmm. is that first step? Is how do we first um, handle this news internally? Because um, it, it's also probably the best way to test the message for the rest of uh, the world. Uh, your thoughts on that? So I think it's one of those groups that, to your point, people look overlook a lot Uh, and it's unfortunate because the people that work for you should be a number one priority it's very easy to get caught up in responding to the press and getting ready to go public and all of those things Um, 
But when you overlook your internal employees, it really, it sends the wrong message, number one. Two, every single one of your employees, if given proper notification, information, all can serve as ambassadors of your message, yep. can help you in their conversations with friends, family, whoever else they're speaking to. Uh, they're a really powerful tool and resource. And then on the flip side, you could avoid, like in this situation, a backlash and kind of ugly story uh, where you know employees had every right to be upset and offended. They found out at 9-11 p.m. after the New York Times had already ran complete on-the-record interviews. On the record. That's that's the thing. This is not like a rumor that leaked out. Oh, my God, what's happening? It's it, Wait a second. Yeah. This is your coordinated media strategy, and we're not even involved in being notified. Yeah. People would be shocked how often that it happens, unfortunately, because you just get caught up in the moment. This this is one of those areas of corporate communications where it's not a hard and fast rule, in my experience. But generally, I actually think the larger, more complex organizations probably do a better job, uh, you know, day in and day out because... Their employee base being so large, it's a huge constituency that can cause them a lot of trouble, right? Meaning, and they usually have st- they usually have dedicated I- indeed. And I'm not saying staff. New York Magazine is, is by no stretch a, a mom and pop, but it's mm-hmm. not a massive global organization or even a massive massive uh, nationwide organization with thousands and thousands of employees. Yeah. But small companies, small agencies, whatever, um, they're the ones that, that more often will make a mistake because they kind of like, oh yeah, we forgot about a good memo or an email to our to our people yeah um, so that's just a just an observation well and in this situation too uh, the new CEO and the former CEO pledged that there would be no layoffs at the company uh, which employees have already come out and said that they don't really believe and for good reason on top of this that they feel so slighted and ignored in the first place um, so Hopefully they do right yeah, by you're them off, going yeah, you're forward. Off, and and if, if I'm if I'm the acquiring company, I'm like I got to sort this out immediately. Absolutely. You know, throw you the. Gotta, th- yeah, you got to keep your people happy. Yeah. So <laughs> interesting. All right, Kanye, that's a pretty good little uh, um, interesting media story, but a very good example and sort of case study on uh, on uh, what not to do with internal communications. Cayenne, Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology, technical school based in the South End. Uh, they were on the brink, a brink, the, the brink of closure about uh, 16 or 17 years ago, um, and have made a strong comeback They're up to 85,000 square feet of new construction at their brand new campus in Dudley Square in Roxbury. Um, it's a privately funded uh, school that provides technical education. Um, I've taken a particular interest in the Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology because they have worked with uh, um, clients of ours in the automotive industry, Prime Motor Group, and particularly the CEO, uh, former CEO David Rosenberg, um, who developed a terrific partnership that not only provides training to students from Ben Franklin Institute, but, but literally gets them right into the workforce as soon as they're out of school. Um, and, and that's a really strong model for the Ben Franklin Institute, which is partnering with industry uh, and, and helping to serve the needs of industry for technical education. Well, and with such an emergence of STEM um, in school and education today and our need for people who are trained in 
STEM areas. Uh, a school like this is, I think, vi more vital now than ever before. It's also really excited whenever any school gets a brand new school. Uh, I think it gives students and faculty just a whole new energy when they come in every day, when they come in at the beginning of the year, to come in and feel like they're in a school that is, I don't want to say, you know, that's worthy of, of being there. Um, it makes you feel good. And that's really exciting. Yeah. It, it, and, uh, Particularly it, for a school that struggled. Absolutely. 2003, trustees apparently uh, at that time considered closing or maybe even voted to close, actually voted to close the school down. But there was a strong uh, rallying of support by students and parents, uh, staff. And, and not only has the school stayed together and stayed afloat, they're now starting to thrive. Yeah. Or they are thriving. Um, this new space is going to make Power of the protest. Absolutely. More flexible, um, configurated for different programming. They may consider shifting away from the traditional calendar year to better fit their programming. But... Uh, Exciting, exciting little uh, piece of news uh, uh, on a technical school that you may not know a lot about, but is really having an impact here in the New England economy. Absolutely. All right, Kayed, paid family and medical leave is finally here. Well, sort of. The, the beginning. Beginning October 1st, uh, uh, effective October 1st, Massachusetts employers and employees, in some cases, um, begin contributing to a trust fund to support uh, the payment of these benefits, which is not effective until 2021. Yep, January 2021. Uh, nonetheless, the trust fund exists, and we're off and running. Um, what do we need to know about this as employees in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts? So... As you said, starting October 1st, uh, companies are being charged 75% payroll tax, um, and then employers are responsible for at least half of that, and then employees will be charged $0.38 cents per every $100 earned. All of this money will go into this, as you said, large fund, so that beginning in January 2021, people can start to utilize paid family and medical leave, which essentially says um, workers will get up to 12 weeks of paid leave to care for a new child or a sick family member and up to 20 weeks to recover from a personal illness or injury and continue to be paid. Um, and for anyone that, you know, there are some companies that already had plans like that in place, but for others who didn't, this is a new benefit uh, to employees. Um, I think it's really exciting. It's, a, you know, for up to a, a maximum benefit of, I think, 850 a week, I believe it is. Yeah, so it's not going to cover your full no. check for some people. For some people, it will. Low-wage low employees, um, it certainly will, yeah. But 80%, it's up to 80%, yeah. for a state that is as progressive as Massachusetts uh, has historically been, uh, it's exciting to see this come here. And, you know, it's it for everyone who's sort of maybe grumbling or saying, why do I have to pay? If I don't plan on taking advantage of it, you know, I'm done having kids or I'm not having kids. You but never know. It's number well, one. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's <laughs> you not. Just never know. It's not just, and, and and the benefit is not just for families having no, not a at child. All. It's to care for a family member. It's if you are it's ill. If you're ill. If you're someone's ill. So there's there's a lot of ways that you you know it's designed, quite frankly, to address a gap, just as really a gap, and just as much things that you don't anticipate. They Absolutely. take you by surprise. Yeah. Right? You can plan f for 
uh, and most and many people, working people do, plan your life uh, somewhat around uh, uh, having a family. But you don't plan to get sick or to someone to get sick, and, and, yeah. and that's different. So, yeah, it makes sense. Um, Workers can file a claim or should file a claim with their employer once claims are eligible in 2021, 30 days in advance of the requested leave if possible, including the date, reason, anticipated duration, and medical documentation. First seven days are not covered, can be paid for by sick or vacation time. So, um, you know... It's a, it's kind of a new era in the in the Massachusetts workplace. Come yeah, on. I mean, it used to be a private thing, right, where people would pay to um, have temporary. Um, the name is blanking on me, but you used to be able to pay into it so that you could get money should this yes. happen. But it was more of a private thing. This is being done by the state. It's a bit more formalized, and it evens the playing field for a lot of people. Thank you for that very technical explanation. <laughs> Couldn't remember the word. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, but, Cayenne. Um, it's it's uh, if anyone wants more information, please uh, mass.gov. There's information on the mass.gov website all about it. And then Katie Johnston and the Boston Globe did a really good rundown earlier this week. Indeed, she did. Cayenne, good stuff. Thank you very much. Good week. Good week. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Three Two One Go. Our program is recorded in Studio One Hundred Eight just off the historic Tip O'Neill Road at our building in the heart of Government Center, Boston, Massachusetts. Thanks for listening. Goodbye till next time. I'm Cosmo Macero. That's it for 3, 2, and Go. Up next, an interview with Michael Murphy and Max Lugavere. I'm Ann Murphy, Senior Vice President at O'Neill & Associates, and welcome to OA On Air. We have a really great episode this week. We have Max Lugavere, New York Times bestselling author of Genius Foods, Becoming Smarter, Happier, and More Productive While Protecting Your Brain for Life. He's going to be speaking at an event at Zen Den in Norwell about that critical link between the brain and the food you eat. The discussion is going to be moderated by Michael Murphy, who is with us in the studio today, and Mary Kim Garrity, the co-owners and founders of Zen Den. Mike and Max, just welcome. So happy to he have you here today. Thank you. Oh, Mike. it's my honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thanks, Max. Well, Mike, first question for you. Why did you put this event together and bring Max to Zenden and Norwell? Well, uh, to go right into it, my, um, my family has had, had a lot of uh, neurogenitive disease in the family. And uh, in 10 years ago, my mother had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and I've always been looking and researching and uh, following the cutting-edge, innovative health topics or health leaders uh, when it comes to neurodegenerative diseases. So I discovered Max in the winter last year, and um, when I wanted to uh, put an event together for the Zenden, we collaborated with a bunch of the staff at the Zenden, and... Uh, here we are. We have Max Lugavere coming to the Zenda. 1010. In 1010, right. 1010, yes. In Norwell. Next uh, week from Thursday. Right. So. On a Thursday evening, and yes. we'll get into more details later about that. But, Max, your book has been such a tremendous success. What prompted you to write it and to dedicate your life right now to sharing that knowledge that you have gained on the brain and the food we eat? Well, me and Mike, we actually have uh, quite a bit in common in that my mother actually suffered from dementia for um, the 
you know, for, for much of her later years. And uh, it began at a young age. She started to show her first symptoms at the age of 58. And when those symptoms first emerged, I was caught completely off guard because I had no prior family history of any type of neurodegenerative disease. And I guess I had harbored some misconceptions about the category of conditions known as dementia that I think many people harbor, namely that we tend to consider them old people's conditions or genetic in nature. Um, but neither of those seem to be the case when, uh, you know, the, the condition reared its ugly head in my mom. And I had a background in journalism and a lifelong passion for health and nutrition science. I was pre-med in college um, before going into, you know, starting a track that led me into the field of journalism. And when my mother got sick, I basically uh, put my career on hold and decided to become an independent investigator of sorts to try to understand why this would have happened to her, what could be done to prevent it from happening for myself and others that I care about. And really what inspired me to write um, Genius Foods is that what I uncovered in the medical literature and over countless conversations with um, leading researchers around the globe is that there was a stark um, difference between the sort of optimism and um, and uh, and and agency that we have in terms of our diets and lifestyles compared to what you kind of experience when going through the process, you know, bringing a loved one to doctor's offices. And so that left me really kind of disillusioned with how mainstream medicine is set up to treat um, or, you know, handle these kinds of conditions. And I felt... Um, probably the most intense call to action I've ever felt in my life to, mm. to you know, yeah. research more it. and more and more and, and teach myself more and more and more and then begin to put the, you know, put my learnings out there into the world so that other people could benefit from them. Well, I, I'm totally on board with you, too. I know as Michael is. Do you think that mainstream Western medicine and healthcare professionals are finally coming around to look at how food can affect the brain health? Yeah, I mean, I think they are, um, but there's this statistic that it takes on average 17 years for what's discovered in science to be put into day-to-day -day clinical practice. Nice. So it's a Look slow process. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, and I'm sure Mike can attest to this. Doctors in general are undertrained uh, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to lifestyle, mm -hmm. and you take a field like neurology. Um, which has been trained basically to look at this organ that was thought to live in I the isolation hmm. of the skull, you know, behind the blood-brain barrier. And there's even less yeah. interest in that area. So, hmm. so, so let me let me yeah, expand yeah. on that. So um, he's 100% right. That's what the Zenden is all about: is taking these these new waves of the future of health, the 21st century health facility that takes it to a whole new level, and we're constantly trying to seek out the innovative information, the scientific information, or testing that's available to help the community, and that's what we're doing at the Zenden. But back to what Max said, yeah, and, and his mother was 58, my mother was uh, 65, but it's way too young, and um, and I think they both passed within a month of each other last year. Is that right, Max? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, December. So mine was in February. So and and there's other people in my family or friends and it's just it's like everywhere and it's i'm so passionate about it but uh one of the things that one of the keywords that max has used and he just alluded to that a moment ago about how people react and how they 
you go into a doctor's office, and in, in his book, his key one of his key words is um, diagnose and adios. Right, Max? Right. <laughs> and um, yeah. that's what you get. You get, okay, well, you have a dementia, a form of one of the many forms of dementia, or you get you got ALZ, you get Parkinson's, but there's nothing else after that. And you walk out feeling like, okay, I just got a, a bomb dropped on me. What can I do? What is there anything we can do? And you feel helpless, and 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 so that's what his, you know, that's what I've understood his driving passion to be. But even within my family and, and the people that we uh, are around, like we're all seeking this information now, and we're grateful that Max has provided uh, such years of research. And now he's coming to uh, share it with us, Thank and goodness. so we're pumped for that. Uh, Max, I, I, I am also curious. Is you know, it it seems so simple. It seems so common sense that the food we eat, we eat every day. Some eat a couple meals, some eat three meals a day. Why wouldn't there be more emphasis in medical schools or in doctor's offices about what we put in our bodies every day is going to affect us? I just can't, I just can't wrap my head around that, that, that it seems so common sense, but it's not promoted. Uh, Max, you probably have <laughs> researched that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the, the truth is we know more about space than we know about our own brains. But, mm. um, but you know, there there's different areas of, you know, of cognition and brain health. I mean, it's, it's you know, we kind of subjectively know that we feel good or bad after eating certain foods. But the relationship that food has to um, conditions like, uh, you know, depression, anxiety, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease... I mean, this is a this is all new uh, territory for science, um, you know. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that the money that goes mm. into researching the mm -hmm. way these conditions are treated tends to go into monotherapy pharmaceuticals, you know, pills that that can Big treat bomber. the ailment that we call depression, yes. or major depressive <clears throat> disorder, or anxiety, or um, Alzheimer's disease, and so. That's not. Um, there's nothing nefarious there. That's just sort of how the industry operates. But um, now, you know, thanks to a handful of intrepid researchers, we have a field that has been called nutritional psychiatry that looks at how diet affects mood. Mm -hmm. We have um, a growing body of neurologists that are focused on uh, the prevention of conditions like Alzheimer's disease, and I've become colleagues with um, a few of them. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just taken a while, but I think that. Um, uh, I mean, the best scientists out there are open-minded, right? I mean, science yeah. is all about being being open to challenging your hypotheses. So, yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited for what the future holds. Yeah. Well, you said something about <clears throat> 17 years it yeah, takes. Yeah, we to, might have 15 uh, more to go. Right. But do you, <clears throat> are you aware of any current research going on right now in the area of Alzheimer's and nutrition effects on the brain? Yeah, absolutely. I um, I mean, I've been to the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden, where they are running the world's first ever large population long-term randomized controlled trial called the Finger Study. Um, and they're showing with this research that even if you're an older adult who is at risk for developing cognitive uh, decline or, um, you know, Alzheimer's disease or dementia, that by adhering to a battery of dietary and lifestyle interventions, you can significantly um, delay, if not prevent, um, cognitive cognitive decline while also improving the way that your brain works. So they've shown that, you know, a dietary intervention, a lifestyle intervention, um, on average, has been able to improve the subject's 
executive function by 83 percent wow um processing speed by 150 percent so these are all the kinds of things yes. that i'm going to be uh reporting on with mike at zenden Den, so nice. i'm super excited nice well um, you know I, i'm really looking forward to this one, so of, the, one of the things you know neurological and it just like there's so many things that take place in life that i think are completely out of everybody's control but i i know that you know a little bit about this but my business partner mary kim garrity has a it's a one of one of a kind neurological form of physical therapy that he that cures people every day from neck pain, back pain, uh, concussions, um, and what she does is amazing. So I'm so excited that we are a neurological-based uh, 21st century health facility, and Max and Mary and I get to have a little chat on stage, you know, on the and, and on the stage at the Zen Den, and and uh, and talk about all that. So in, in the Zen Den, in this brain, in, in Max's book, it's really for all ages. I know a lot of people think it's an old person's like uh, protocol or whatever, but yeah. I think it has to be ingrained in people at a young age to you know be successful long term. Yeah, I mean, we have athletes. We have. Everybody, the Zen is an 8,000 square foot facility that has so many things, but and we have all, all levels of people, uh, age range, but um, we have something for everybody. And and, and Max, can, Max, the more statistic man that I am, but, you know, there I read, Max, that 20 years, there are, there are signs or things that are taking place in the brain 20 years ahead of when they actually show symptoms, correct, in terms of neurogenic diseases? Yeah, they yeah changes begin in the brain far earlier than the presentation yeah. of symptoms. Um, so it's definitely something that you want to be, be mindful of for the entirety of your life. Right. Um, the you know the sooner uh, the better. But on the other hand, it's you're never too old to begin to right. um, affect the change. Right. Affect the change. Exactly. Yes. Well, I I'm looking forward to this, and uh, I think we need to like find out more specifics on how people can learn more about the event and get tickets and. Okay, Michael, and I yeah. Have okay. A little announcement to so you can you can Google us uh, on well look at us at sendengroup.com. That's our website. You can look at IG the IG page Zenden Group or Facebook, and you can see the event there. Uh, the, it's in the bio link for um, Eventbrite, so you can get your tickets on Eventbrite. But I also wanted to announce that. We have received such a large quantity of uh, corporate partner sponsorships that um, I'm really excited to tell this to Max right now and tell anybody that's listening to this this podcast that what, what I'm going what we're going to do with the Zenden is we're going to reduce the ticket price to twenty five dollars if you are passionate about this topic if you have someone that has been recently diagnosed with uh, one of the many neurodegenerative diseases or um, you've had a family member pass away and you are thirsty for this information because I think what Max's information is a gift to us all and if we can um, if we can put people in this in the audience that that are really passionate about it and really um, looking for this information, then that's going to make uh, make me and Mary and I think Max very happy to um, to have such a a committed audience to their own health. And so um, I'm going to announce that as well on IG today on the Zenden page, and we're all going to share that. But if you are interested in this this 
um, event next Tuesday, 1010 at 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock with Max Lugavere in the Zenden, then uh, DM us on the Zenden group or uh, email Tiffany at zendengroup.com. Tell us that you you just a sh- two sentences is all you need, and uh, we will have you sitting at this event, this amazing event. We are also going to have uh, a chef preparing Max Lugavere um, foods oh. and um, I haven't even asked Max yet because I've been so busy but I wanted to to notify uh, to send an email to Max's assistant Sid and say what is Max's uh, top three oh, we have to find out hors d'oeuvres or you know little snacks uh, brain food snacks that he would uh, recommend but we We've already looked through the PDF in the book, and we've selected a few, but I, I want to hear a few oh, Max, from Max, can you so. give us a little hint of what you like to eat that is good for your brain? That we can serve. Oh, man, that we he- can serve. Just, <laughs> yeah, just hearing that, I'm smiling ear to ear. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I, I walk the walk. I love, uh, you know, grass-fed beef. I love eggs. I love, um, you know, vegetables. I love... Uh, extra virgin olive oil dark chocolate everybody loves dark chocolate right. nuts yeah, um so we'll you know and any yeah. any permutation of those foods generally yeah. wow yeah. we'll get some nice uh some nice recipes going and we'll and be we passing have, them out at will the you event. have your book there too max will you have your book that people can uh, buy i guess well i'd like to put the call out anybody who has my book can certainly bring, bring it, it for and a signature and happy mm-hmm. to sign it yeah, yeah. of course awesome. that's great yeah, so um, Max, I would offer that to you. If you know anybody in the Boston area um, or any association in the area, if you you want to uh, offer up a few tables at that discounted price, just uh, have have at it. And the more, like I said, the more committed people to to your information and to the cause is is what we're what we're happy to uh, announce here today. Well, we're looking forward to seeing Max next week. I'll be there. I'll Excellent. be looking forward to it. I'll be looking forward to seeing Mike, too, and Mary. Yes. And, yeah, Gary, yes, so Mary Kim, too. Thank you for being on OA On Air. This is a wonderful segment, and good luck with all of the work that you're doing in this field, both of you. Well, thank you for having us, Ann. Thank you, Max. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be at Zenden next week. All right. We'll see you, see you soon. See you soon. And now, Two Minutes with Tom. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, Tom. Great to be back. Two Minutes with Tom. And uh, right back at you, Kyan. It's nice to be with you. I know. It's been a couple weeks. It has. For various reasons. Yep. Um, and we thought that in coming back, so you, were in, you were in Ireland. Yes, yeah. A lot of news <laughs> happened while you were away. Uh, one being Speaker Pelosi's announcement about the Im- impeachment inquiries. And we thought it would be interesting to talk to you a little bit about that. Obviously, you've always been a longtime supporter of her, uh, but also just For whatever. For being Nancy Pelosi. Yes. Yes. Um, yep. But also whatever feedback or what you were hearing overseas I think would be really interesting. Well, there's not much empathy for Donald Trump in Europe. Um, I'm not shocked. He's, he's really, every everywhere you go, he's really persona non grata. And there's a lot of bewilderment over there as to how, in God's name, the American people elected him in the first place, uh, and what were they thinking? And, and without getting into the whys and the reasons for his being elected, you know, the the main, you know, the main news stories politically over there right now are about Brexit and Boris Johnson, mm-hmm. and the comparisons between he and Donald Trump. And you get it in the London Times, you get it in the in the uh, Irish Times. Um, 
and and you get it in the Brussels newspapers as well. I mean, it's it's all pretty much the same from front page to editorial page. Um, so there's a lot of belief, and I think a lot of credibility, in the Nancy Pelosi story, and that being that she has really kind of held her gunfire and powder on impeachment these last months, uh, holding back the forces from within our own Democratic majority. Um, and and finally, oftentimes, the and it wasn't popular. You know, she th- it wasn't that popular. She was I think she was that. reading and the American mood as well as anybody. She stood her ground. Um, yeah, but I think too that. With the Ukrainian situation, she has seen something that that she didn't like. She suspects is wrong, really wrong, or she knows it's it's completely wrong, and it, it needs to be called a halt to. And she's calling, you know, she, she's 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 taking the cap off the bottle, if you will, and mm-hmm. she's allowing that process, that impeachment process, to begin in in a very, I think, in a very targeted way in the U.S. House of Representatives. And this is not like the Mueller report, where they're kind of all over the lot. The Democratic Party has got this thing targeted in such a way they have an issue, they know he's wrong, they believe he's guilty, and they're going to chase it. Yeah. And quite on his behavior, uh, even just via Twitter uh, in the days, is, has always been unruly, I guess <laughs> is, a, is a word that could be used. But um, he has really stepped it up in a, in a whole new way that— uh, I just I think if you're any Republican, you're just hoping and begging that he will he will stop because it's certainly not helping the the public perception of what's happening right no, now. No, it's not helping the public perception. He's uh, he's he's really he's really making it so much far worse by asking now the Chinese to kind of look into whatever the Biden affair is that he believes to be corrupt, um, which is is just wrong. Um, it, it's not wrong because it it may or may not have happened. It's wrong for the president to be asking, in light of all the things that we have going on politically and from a, a policy point of view with these countries, to insert his own political you know, betterment in, in, in light of largesse the United States is giving these countries or things diplomatically that we should be working on and yeah. not that type of thing, to make them a quid pro quo was absolutely wrong, and it's going to be called a question. Well, I think obviously this is just the beginning of uh, the the inquiries. There's this is a very long process. I think for anyone who may not know, this is this does not get wrapped up quickly. It, it's uh, well, it's a process that has, you know, that has its uh, its mechanicals that that need to be paid attention to. Uh, you can move them a little more quickly if you, if you have you know if you have the gears in place to make it move more mm-hmm. more quickly. Um, and I hope that's the case and that it won't be a long drawn out situation which takes us right to Election Day 2020. But, you know, I, I do think the, the wheels of Washington mechanicals are in play, and I, and I think she's allowed to, you know, to, to ignite that switch to make it happen. And she has a lot of credibility, as I said earlier on, I think not only here but around the world. And that's why people are paying attention and giving this situation such credence and, and credibility. Yeah. Well, I'm sure this is not the last time we will be talking about this. Uh, We'll be talking about this and other things going on as well. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Bye-bye. That's it for this week's episode of OA On Air. Now, don't forget to subscribe on whatever your favorite listening platform may be. You can also check us out on our own O'Neill & Associates website. Talk to you next week.